Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. Welcome, everyone, to Lucha World Podcast, episode number 131. Fredo Esparza here, and this week we will be talking about the passings of um, two legends in Lucha Libre, Arturo Rivera and Super Muñeco. We'll also be talking about a former CMLL star announcing that he is returning to CMLL, which I think wasn't that big of a surprise, but given the situation, the current circumstances within... um, Lucha Libre and wrestling in general right now. Um, it did, I would say it is slightly surprising, but it isn't a total shock. Um, we'll also be talking about a couple of matches that were announced as part of the tournament, the mass tournament that is being held for um, by Triple AAA in the upcoming Triple Mania events that will be happening this year, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the formation of AAA. Uh, we'll also be talking about a few other things, including the 2021 Tapatia Awards results. Um, the reason I'm going to talk about this, one, um, the fact that Cubs fans still keeps um, doing this year-end award for Lucha Libre. I think he might be the only one that actually does this because I don't even think any of the, the Spanish websites have really gone out of their way to do this sort of thing. I think they, I think for the most part, everybody that has a website might do like their whole... Um, the person running it or whoever is in charge of writing about Lucha Libre will do, will do a, a, a an awards type of thing for the that they give out themselves personally, but not really something where you're doing ballots from um, other individuals that are sending them into the into your website to do this. So this is something that I think is um, we should talk about because I mean even though it's it's still a, a smaller. Um, it's not like it's the Observer Awards where there's a larger amount of people voting given there's a larger fan base for anything involving, you know, WWE, AEW, or Japan. Uh, within Lucha Libre, it's very, um, it's a smaller um, niche that's that really doesn't get a lot of, um, for whatever reason, as much as we try, there's not a lot of, um, there, it just doesn't get a lot of traction as far as new people voting. Every once in a while, you get new people, but then you'll also have some people that just um, won't vote. Like in th- in this case, the last couple of years, I mean, it's been very difficult to um, even consider um, wrestler of the year, match of the year, because there's so much that's gone on. 
Um, a lot of shows being postponed because of the pandemic. And then, of course, you know, the AAA and CMLL kind of being a little bit harder to watch because as far as live, because um, both promotions are just, they got their own issues when it comes to that. CMLL just not, you know, you have to pay to watch CMLL shows. And for the most part, I think a lot of people have kind of kind of gotten a little more, um, there's a little more disinterest in CMLL that's it's grown over the years and it's I, I would say right now it's probably at an all-time low um and those Ticketmaster live shows i i would imagine minimum amount of people are watching it i don't think other than um cubs fan and on occasion i've seen rob talk about it and maybe like one or two other people talk about it um but for the most part i don't really see a lot of people especially and it's not just like the 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 english speaking lucha fan base that i'm talking about which is a very small group but i'm talking about the like mexico you know you very rarely see people talk about it under other than the 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 websites that actually have access to attend the shows or who you know maybe somebody's like paying to watch it just to report on it um but you're really not getting a lot of um it's not like it's being talked about a lot and with triple a of course the lawsuit um they don't they haven't been streaming a lot of their shows for the last year year and a half two years it's really mostly been the cubs fan um streaming it on his twitch channel and then um most recently they did do the whole um that one show on fight tv fight i think it's what is it fight or just fight tv i don't even know just because there's so many there's been so many of those services i can't keep up with them we'll talk about those that later on um because i i do find it interesting just because it kind of shows you the the way the fans are thinking, it kind of also tells you what they're what they're watching and what they're not watching, because really, I think right now it's really been a lot more about AAA getting more views. Um, the the matches that do well get um get a lot of interest. Um, for the most part, matches that are considered match of the year candidates are going to get talked about. Um, but like with CMLL, if they air it on Ticketmaster Live and nobody sees it, uh, odds are that's not going to be talked about. As opposed to like when um, we've had a couple of matches that have streamed on AAA TV and Cubs fan makes it available on his Twitch channel, um, they get a lot of response. A lot of re- a lot of people start talking about them, people recommending those matches to other people. So it kind of like there's a little bit more of that. Whereas CML, you really I don't think I I don't other than the Volador Junior Bandito match from last year, there really wasn't. I don't think there was anything that got a lot of um a lot of feedback or reaction from fans online like even like stuff that those of us who are more like willing to watch these shows they if we say something's good it still won't get a big um response compared reaction compared to what triple a's done so you know honestly i mean we even see like some of the indie promotions that aren't really getting a strong reaction either um just because there is a lot available online for free on youtube but I mean, it, you're going to have to be like a really, really hardcore fan willing to go through, you know, the independent promotions and watch that stuff and, you know, go through the, the good, the bad, the ugly of Lucha Libre shows, which can at times not even have good. But um, I mean, there are some fans that are really into it and will do it. And that's that's the good thing is that a few of them do get share their opinions on matches. So then when they recommend it, other people watch it. Um, unfortunately, a lot of it a lot of those recommendations end up coming in on these year-end awards type of post that people put up on their websites, which you know usually means that people watch it afterwards and probably 
you know, that match probably would have gotten a, a, a stronger reaction, more more responses if it would have done if it was done more of a more on real time as opposed to like months later or a year later. Anyway, that's all we'll be talking about this week. Uh, but before we get to all the the current news, I guess well, I mean the current news as far as what's going on within the the wrestling promotions, we really have to talk about the two passings um, that happened on Wednesday. Um, it was kind of interesting because uh, prior to Tuesday, there really wasn't a lot of news. Uh, really, the big story recently was the whole Stuka Junior Atlantis Junior um, rivalry, and then you know Triple A's really been kind of quiet. Some of the other stuff that came about during the weekend prior to the to the big news day of Tuesday and Wednesday was that um, Gringo Loco and Psycho Clown had a really good match for uh, on Game Changer on a Game Changer wrestling show, and Doctor Wagner Jr. confronted Psycho or Psycho Clown confronted Doctor Wagner Jr. on that show as well. So that was kind of like the big talk. Not a lot else going on as far as Mexico. Um, it's very hard to like envision and and you know even like if you wanted to like there really hasn't been anything major going on on the independent scene um they're i mean they do their shows but it's like there really has they've really not been doing anything that's been um that big i mean unless you consider the torneo el protector from iwrg a big deal it's just another tournament honestly happens everybody writes about it and then we forget about it within three or four days later uh, which happened this time um, I really thought that the big news this past week was going to be the whole announcement of the the four ma- first round matches in the Ruleta de la Muerte uh, mass tournament that's going to be held across the three Triple Mania shows this year. And um, for about one day, that really was the news. And then the news came, broke that Super Muñeco had passed away. That was very early on Wednesday. And then later on Wednesday, um, the other news broke that Arturo Rivera had also passed away. Um, I think it was something that was we were kind of preparing for it because a week prior, both of them were on the, in the news. Um, Super Luchas had actually released, uh, re, re, reported that um, Super Muñeco was in the hot, was hospitalized uh, with an illness. Um, they, they mentioned, I think they mentioned it was a lung issue. Um, I know one of the other wrestlers that they talked to had mentioned that. I think Ricky Boy was the one that mentioned that, that it was a lung issue. And there were a couple of other reports that said it, he was battling COVID. I think both of them probably had some aspects of um having to deal dealing with covid but they were already like both arturo rivera and super muñeco had other health issues so really it's kind of like just everything kind of hitting them all at once and you know unfortunately um it was their time and um around that time that they mentioned super muñeco's issue um there was also a social media tweet or post that asking for um, blood donations for arturo rivera so that kind of started to uh, make it sound like the, he was also in, in poor health. Um, he had been in poor health for a while. Um, I was watching an interview that he did last year, and he was talking about how he um, he got hit on on a leg during a match, and he I guess it, 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 it cut. He got a bruise and it cut, and I think from from whatever he was dealing health wise, it got very um, it got it was a very serious um, wound, so. He actually had to like. He actually actually took some time. It took a, a, a quite a bit of time for it to heal, but from from hearing that he had had that type of wound, um, it and ha- having heard of some of his previous health issues and his battle, he was very open about his battle with alcoholism over the years. 
um, you could kind of tell that this was something that was going to, you know, it was, it was his, it, it was going to, something was going to happen at some point because, you know, they're, as soon as they start, they, they started posting those things about, you know, asking for blood and being in the hot, you're being hospitalized, you know, something's, you know, it's not, it's not going to be a, you know, very, very rarely will you see somebody who just like goes to the hospital and then like, or, or it, they're doing all this, um, all these concern posts about them. Um, very rarely will you see a a, a, a comeback with where they end up not, uh, you know, full recovery and they're healthy for several more years. This this kind of sounded a little bit more um, like it was a dire situation for both both uh, men. Yeah, it's super muñeco. If you were if you grew up a lucha fan in the eighties, um, you probably he was probably one of the big stars that you got to see. Um, he wasn't at the level of the you know the big big stars, but he was he was a he was kind of in the middle of a group, um, a legit superstar. Um, I would say I would compare it kind of like if I mean a comparison honestly is like if you put Hulk Hogan or The Rock, and then you had maybe like the next group, and then you had like a I'm trying to think like somebody who's like Hall of Fame worthy. Um, but isn't quite there yet, um, and but was like a huge baby face, you know. I would say maybe like a Ricky Steamboat type, uh, where he was the top star, but he might be like the second or third best, biggest name on 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 the baby face side. That's kind of what Super Muñeco was for a large part of his career, um, not large part of of his um his prime his prime years, um, from eighty three all the way about early ninety one ninety two, as far as a as a singles wrestler. Um, he kind of starting trio fantasia kind of made him an even like that kind of kept him a little more um, rele- relevant for several more years, even like post you know when he just got really really bad in the ring, and you know it was basically just a, a nostalgia act act which was probably by the late nineties. Um, I would say Super Muñeco, if you were to compare his, um, I would say he had about a, a longer stretch of being a top star um but in a similar case to octagon um guys who were like huge stars when they were very young when they were kind of like getting that character over they were huge stars and then like maybe like a couple years later um they kind of started their 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 star started to dim and um the only difference was that well, I mean, actually, Octagon had Hijo de Santo for a bit, so that kind of kept him a little, prolonged him, his career a little bit longer as far as being a star. But um, after maybe like 98, 99, Octagon was pretty much kind of a shell of himself, but he was still kind of viewed as a star by the fans. Whereas Super Muñeco, um, he was able to like transition from being that single star to where he was able to have that trio with Trio Fantasia. And so if, even like even if as a single star he wasn't doing well, he had the trio to go to and that would actually still draw pretty well. Um, so in many in many ways, I think that's that's where he kind of had the advantage where he actually had the trio that was, you know, he was recognized as part of that trio. People could always book them as a trio on the independents and they would still do pretty um, reasonably well. I remember when I was I wrote I wrote this in the in the obit. One of the first lucha matches I watched was Trio Fantasia. Um, I don't remember who their opponents were. Um, I guess now I know that that was Super Lunas. That was yeah, because I remember it was it wasn't on a on a weekend. I remember it's like a weeknight when I would watch that show. 
So I guess it must have been Super Lunas. It must have been Super Libras. I just didn't realize it was that that was airing at that point in time. In um, it was basically airing in, on a on a Spanish station that would um, come in from from Mexico. We lived in El Paso at that time, and so I get I don't know if it was an affiliate of uh, of the of the of the local um, Juarez station or what, but um, we we got we got one of the we got one of the shows. I was. I was I was like a little kid back then and I remember my dad telling me he wanted to watch something on TV he was laying on the bed and so I got I got up started changing the channel my dad wasn't really into like um anything in English that was like um dramas he was only like the only English my dad would watch would be the news actually he did have one show he would watch Golden Girls he loved watching Golden Girls those were the only things he would ever watch 227 was another one those, well I guess those were like two sitcoms he would watch just because it was a very light comedy um, it wasn't anything too um, too raunchy or too like weird for him um, but like he wouldn't watch he wouldn't watch anything that, that was like a, a drama he wouldn't watch movies in, in English all he would watch was news and um, he tells me keep changing it. I, I get to the one of the Spanish channels and they're showing Lucha Libre, um, Trio Fantasia is in the ring. I look at it. And I'm like, man, that's that's some trippy. I just thought it was really weird, and so we stopped. We watched it. I had already been watching Lucha through um the the Lucha movies, but from that point forward, watching that, um, that kind of led to me watching more. Um, I was already watching American wrestling, so I was already watching WWF at that time, world-class uh, Mid-South wrestling. But this kind of like started to draw me into Lucha Libre, so I started watching Juarez Lucha and whatever would air on some of the other Spanish stations. And so, yeah, you know, for me, like, Trio Fantasia was kind of like the, the group that got me into Lucha. And it's kind of funny because you look at what it is that they were, you know, a clown, three grown men dressed as a clown, Mighty Mouse and Pinocchio, and you would think that would be like the weirdest thing. Um, obviously, for a kid, it's not that weird. But even as you got, as as I got older and I met fans who were into lucha, you know, we could talk about like these three guys, and we were perfectly fine talking about them, the Ninja Turtles, Thundercats. Um, it wasn't viewed as like, oh, look at the, these guys; they were weird or anything like that, because they could actually have good matches or like bloody brawls um they either had good matches or they had bloody brawls that was there was no middle there was never no middle um ninja turtles could have good matches um thundercats could have good matches um trio fantasia was more of a like they could have okay matches but they were always more into the brawling and they had more wild brawls than anything else um just because you know super raton was a really good worker but um Pinocchio and um, Super Pinocchio and um, and Super uh, and Super Muñeco weren't that great, um, but you know they were still a fun trio to watch. I just I just remember like they kind of like were the trio that I got me first got me into lucha, and then once you start rooting for the heels, you start more going for the like the Misioneros, Los Brazos, um, those type of trios, or you start rooting for the other heels like you know Cien Caras, um, Ari Romero. Um, Conan when he turned heel you end up rooting more for heels than, than the Paraguayo when he was a heel Sangre Chicana you know the cool thing is that even in Lucha like the heels some heels they would be heels in one, in one territory but then they would be kind of viewed at, treated as baby faces in other places so you would have like a satanico who could be a heel one minute and then be a baby face in another place but I kind of I kind of started more finding 
Rudos to be the my thing more than anything else. Although I still I still was a big fan of Technicos, but it was more like I kind of the Technicos I liked were guys who were like more uh, you know high flying. They kind of had the similar work style of Ricky Steamboat. So like a Lismark, Atlantis, um, guys who were just clean cut babyface. I really liked that. I never was really into like the the guys who were kind of like yeah you know he he was a heel once. But, it, you know, to me, they were heels. They have to be heels. They shouldn't be, like... I always thought they were, like, just traitors or whatever. But but um, Eddie Guerrero was another one that, you know, very early on was, like, the type of technical that I, I, I really liked. You know, I kind of liked the guys who just were, like, really good workers in the ring as far as technicals. Whereas the Rudos, I liked the fact that they were, like, just, you know... Like, they looked like they could beat, you know, beat you up. Um, that's what I liked. It was always... There was always, like, that soft spot for um, Trio Fantasia just because... I mean, like I said, who doesn't want to root for like a, a Mighty Mouse, you know, a barrel-chested Mighty Mouse? I mean, the guy had to be like 5'5", five, five, and like 200 plus, 250 pounds, and look like a ta- little tank, but the guy could work. Um, Super Muñeco, I always dug the whole head-bobbing thing that he would do, um, the swivel. Um, just something I always thought was really like a, a, a funny thing to do. And the difference between, I think I could actually like get behind Super Muñeco and I could never get behind Octagon just because my thing with Octagon was like the whole, like when he would get his tassels, his, from his mask tied to the, the, the rope. I just hated the fact that they would do that spot constantly. And he always, it always was his downfall during certain falls when he would lose or his team would lose. And at least with Super Muñeco, it was just, if he was going to lose, he was going to lose because it's getting beat down. Um, but you know, I always dug the. I always thought they were really cool. They were a fun trio to watch. The, they they made appearances later in their careers uh, on CMLL shows. And um, other than Super Raton, the other two just did not look good. Um, they were. The, I think the second time they were there, they did a on one of the legend shows in Arena Mexico. They did a. They were doing a, a feud be, uh, like Super Pinocho and Super Muñeco were having issues, so. They were kind of trying to do the breakup angle and they were doing it in CMLL as well. And, you know, it just didn't work because obviously this was more of a thing that was happening in the independence and they were, they were bringing it to CMLL and just didn't, it just, it just didn't really work. It just looked really weird and it really, it went nowhere. Nobody thought that either one of them was going to drop their mask. Um, I think Super Pinocho probably should have dropped his mask, but um, Super Muñeco, he could have dropped his mask at some point, but it's like, you know, you there are certain guys that I think kind of have to keep their gimmick around. Um, I think when he came around, also, um, I was a big fan of Sepien at that um, right before that, um, maybe like two three years, years prior to that. But um, Sepien, the the clown, um, famous Mexican clown, he um, he was a huge star, and even though he was like a kid um, character. Uh, even it, even as it, as you got older, you kind of still kind of viewed him as, hey, he was a cool like, he, you know, you, it wasn't like, oh, I I I can't believe I like that guy or that clown or anything. It, it just he was a clown, but it, the character, but the guy still like, it was something like nobody thought of you being like weird if you like Sepien because it was he was already like it, it, so many kids were into it, and he didn't come across as as too weird of a character, um, but. I don't know. I was I was really sad when I when I saw that Super Muñeco had passed away, or and even before that when I heard about his health issues. Um, somebody that was really really a to me a, a star in the eighties. Uh, I think he probably like if you ask me if where he ranks as far as greatest stars of all time, he definitely has to be up there as far as um, 
stars of the past 40 years. He's not at the level of the, you know, there's at least, there's so many guys that you would probably put ahead of him, but he's got to be up there. He's To me, he kind of falls into like the category that you would put um, Super Porky, Brasso de Plata, just because they were so unique as far as um, charismatic characters within Lucha Libre that they actually had a really strong following. And they kind of like, it's kind of like uh, for many kids or fans that grew up watching them, it's like you lose part of your childhood when that wrestler passes away. And Super Muñeco kind of, to me, kind of fell into that category. Um, Arturo Rivera's passing uh, came, I think they made the announcement hours after. Uh, again, someone else who was dealing with a lot of health, health issues. And again, another person that, like if you grew up on Lucha Libre from 1990 forward, he was the voice of Lucha Libre. He was the voice of AAA. At times, he was the voice of CMLL, EMLL. I think there was like a, a brief run in like the early 2000s that they brought him back to call some matches in, in, in for CMLL because they were still on Televisa. And um, that just didn't work out that much because obviously um, by that point in time, Arturo Rivera was basically very much AAA. When you think of AAA, um, there's a handful. Like I would say like if you're thinking of five people that best represent AAA as far as these people are AAA. Um, I think you have to go with Antonio Pena, the La Parca character, be it LA Park or La Parca. Both of them, the La Parca character is a big part of AAA. Uh, Conan is another one. I would say Octagon would be the other one. And Arturo Rivera, as far as those would be the five, I think you would have to start putting in Psycho Clown into that group. And, you know, in some respects, you would actually, um, Rey Mysterio would probably fall into that. But I think Rey Mysterio kind of has already become a, a far bigger, um, what he did in AAA was a, was within a short period of time, whereas now he kind of probably is viewed more as a, as a, a guy who was a big star in WWE, uh, more of an international star because he's been in WWE, WCW. To me, Rivera, like, you got to put him up there like it's like it's not even close just because um, when you think of AAA and even like Jesus Zuniga I would put in that list of people that when you think of AAA those are the people you really think about Arturo Rivera uh, the voice of AAA for so many years um, the heel voice of Lucha Libre even when even when he was without Dr. Alfonso Morales he was still the, the heel voice of professional of Lucha Libre um, very much like Bobby the Brain Heenan or Jesse the Jesse the Body Ventura um, where they're the guys you think of when you think of heel announcers. He was in that role. And I, I found it interesting how he came up with that that idea. I would imagine they probably saw some American wrestling and real, or had heard about American wrestling and how they had heel and, um, a heel announcer in the commentary booth. So it kind of made it a little bit easier. And I thought, I thought it was a, a very creative thing, especially because what you had is basically... Arturo Rivera being an over-the-top Rudo cheerleader. And then you had Dr. Alfonso Morales, very much, if you watch a lot of Memphis wrestling with Lance Russell, very similar to Lance Russell in the way he would treat um, interviews with heels when the heels would overreact um, or, um, you know, over-exaggerate a story they're telling. Yeah, and Lance Russell would be like, yeah, come on, come on, whatever. Come on, Jerry, you don't mean that. Or come on, Jimmy, you don't mean that. Uh, that was the same thing with Arturo Rivera. He would kind of like, you know, he would always be like, yeah, come on. That's that's ridiculous. You kind of got the whole um, sense of Morales was going to be the straight man in this in the booth. 
I'm never wavering from 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 being, you know, kind of like calling the 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 the, the show like a like it's a, a real sport. Whereas um, Arturo Rivera's kind of being over the top about how you know there's a foul and you know it's not even a real foul. And I thought that was like I thought that the chemistry that they they, they both had, and then later on Rivera with other people on on AAA shows. I mean, I thought it, it made a lot of. I thought it worked really well. Um, I think the later years, I think the drinking and also his um, his ego kind of took the the best from him, and he kind of started being a little more about him being part of the show, um, being over the top on certain things. Although, um, I think he might have been the first one that, if I recall, he might have been the first one that started singing the the Sieber, um Whenever they would introduce Cibernetico and they would do the whole Cibber, um, you know, they would do the Ole, but with Cibber's, um, Cibernetico's um, name. I always got a kick out of that. I think Jesus Zuniga would um, continue that on afterwards or whenever Rivera wasn't on the show, he would continue it as well. Um, I just thought that was like, I thought he was, I thought he was a, without question, he was really great. Like most people in wrestling, there's a period of time where they kind of just burn out on it and they kind of start just going at half speed and they're not as good as they used to be. And that pretty much happened with Arturo Rivera. But, you know, for a lot of us who grew up watching Lucha in the 90s, 90s early 2000s, um, Arturo Rivera was a big part of our, our lives as far as our view, as far as viewing um, professional wrestling. And, you know, it's, it's sad to see that too. They both passed away. I wrote obits for both of them. So you could check it out on luchaworld.com. It's it, to me. It was just sad. I mean, I, I don't really know. There's no no other words to 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 describe the feeling when they both when I heard they both passed away. It was just it was very it, to me. It was sad just because a part of what I grew up watching, um, as far as wrestling goes, had just gone. You know, had just gone. Especially with Doctor Alfonso Morales having passed away. Um, I think he passed away. What? I think Dr. Alfonso Morales passed away maybe two weeks prior to my dad passing away. And then Super Porky passed away um, last summer. So, you know, really like the four, th- those four to me were like such a big part of my um, wrestling viewing from the, from the mid eighties all the way like to the early, what early 2010s really, because they were still around and just the, the fact that they were no longer there in some capacity, it just, it just kind of like, it kind of hits you that, you know, your childhood, some of your childhood is gone. Um, you know, it was funny because I think Betty White passed away, what, in January as well, like a week prior to her birthday. And it, you know, that was all the Golden Girls were gone too. So it's like, it's like, you know, it's like oh, all these childhood um, heroes that I used to like to watch on television are now gone. Um, it's, it's very sad. Um, but, you know, you've got the, you got, you have your memories of them and, life goes on and you hope other people are make their way into you know into pro wrestling that can continue on the tradition that these people who passed away paved the road for them to do uh, you know for for every person that passes away there's always somebody else that kind of like to me it's like whenever like when you know when i see people talk about ah you know wrestling's not like it used to be and like all you hear about is like they only like they only pop up when somebody passes away to talk about, oh, he was great and so and so. And then like the only other stuff they'll talk about is like, ah, wrestling nowadays sucks. But to me, it's like you just find new stuff to continue watching. Like to me, like who would have thought like in between these two um, deaths, if you think about it, in between these two deaths, we had 
the announcement of the AAA, um, the four first round matches in the AAA tournament. I think um, I think there was some conversation with Hijo de Vikingo, or he did something, and I remember thinking about that. Well, I mean, like I said, the 2021 Tapatia Awards. Um, when I saw Hijo de Vikingo um, on so so many of the so he got pretty, he got placed high in a lot of the categories. That kind of like he's somebody that kind of keeps it going for me as far as wanting to be a fan. And then you have Mascar Dorada's announcement that happened in between these two passings. So um, there's always something to watch, something to to continue watching. So, you know, as far, even though you can't really, you feel sad, there's always something to look forward to and you got to keep going. Um, you can't be, you can't, you can't let something keep you down for too long. You just got to keep going. That's, that's just what, that's just how I feel. And the memories I got from both of these people, it's, it, it'll last for the, for a lifetime. I guess that's all I could say about that. It's it's a sad. It's a it was a, a very sad Wednesday, albeit in between there was a little bit of a excitement as we got some news. Um, I think a lot of people got really excited just because of the announcement, but um, I think later on, I think when I was when I was um, talking about it on Twitter, I kind of knew more or less what was going on, um, and then Rob and a couple of people were um, Cubs fan also pointed it out that. The paperwork, obviously, he has to work on some um, immigration paperwork and documents and all that. Um, so we don't know when he's going to show up. But the big news on Wednesday as well, in between the two pass- passings of Super Muñeco and Arturo Rivera, was um, Mascara Dorada finally made his appearance on CMLL Informa. That's when you know someone is back in CMLL. When they make an appearance on CMLL Informa, which was again back um, hosted by... Julio Cesar Rivera, uh, who said he was on vacation. Uh, I don't, I don't really buy it. I think he probably had COVID and probably just took an extra time off. Although I would think ten days. Actually, he missed one Friday prior to that, so maybe um, they just wanted to like for precaution. They just instead of making it two, the ten days, they just did two weeks. It kind of to me that kind of like that's what it kind of felt like that they took a little bit more precaution with that. Um, but he was back and with him uh, in. Be- Towards the end of the, like, right before the last hit, I think it was in the middle of the show, um, they had um, Mascara Dorada live via Skype or or Zoom or whatever they're using for video. Um, I think it was Zoom. And um, in between, right before he froze and the, and they lost the, the connection, he made the announcement that he was coming back to CMLL. Um, not... I think this is like not surprising, but at the same time, maybe surprising. I will say why both reasons right now is as far as not surprising is that I think Mascara Dorada of all the guys who have left CMLL over the last um, five to 10 years, I would probably put Mystico highest as far as one of those guys I always thought would have come back at some point. Um, the only way I would have never thought Mystico would have come back to CMLL would have been if he would have succeeded and been comfortable as another character somewhere else. Um, but he kind of always, kind of like it always was, he was always mystical, like the fit. It just worked for him to be mystical. Um, of course, it took him a while to become mystical again, but you know, this past year, he finally was able to come back to the character. Um, and the other the other ones, I always thought maybe they would come back at some point were, of course, Averno, who made his way back last year as well. And uh, Mascara Dorada, like everybody else, the way they left and the, the whatever they did as far as post-CMLL, it always kind of gave me the indication there was no chance of them coming back. Um, to me, like um, 
Sombra as Andrade. I didn't think he would come back to CMLL just because um, he had kind of been a semi-star in, in WWE where he was pretty much a known name there. And everybody, like, if, 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 if they didn't think he was... If they were wondering what was wrong with him, it was mostly that they were thinking he was underutilized in, in WWE. So when they think about him like that, it wasn't like with Mystico where they thought, oh, he totally bombed in, in WWE. That wasn't the case with like like Andrade. Andrade, there were still some people that thought, you know, he never really got a shot, a fair shot. And the other reasons I always thought, like since he was with Charlotte, I just couldn't imagine him being full-time in CMLL just because at that point in time and the way he would talk about wrestling and, and the way he kind of viewed wrestling, it kind of seemed more like he was already beyond CMLL. It was more about, you know, trying to make the most money possible. And obviously now he's in AEW. Um, other guys like, you know, like Tejano Jr., um, the fact that Tejano Jr. was in was in Lucha Underground, had had some success uh, appearing in, in on U.S. shows. I think he was on Impact a few times. Um, obviously, with AAA and them appearing on on American, tel uh, you know, doing you know taping shows in the United States, they did that one show in New York. Um, it, it, I always kind of felt like uh, it's probably less likely that he would come back. There's certain guys I just don't think would ever come back. Uh, Mascara Dorada, I. Even though he was in WWE, he was in WWE, and there were a lot of people who were in WWE, like Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, who spoke highly of him. That I always, I always thought, you know, maybe he would come back, go to somewhere else. Maybe he would go to AEW. Maybe he would consider um, working AAA um, or being an independent. I think the only reason I thought he would come back to CML is that his character is tailor made for the promotion. You know, a high flyer who basically. You know, to me, it's more of a, you know, he doesn't really have the the charisma that Andrade has. Even when Andrade had a mask, I never thought Mascara Dorada had that type of charisma. Mascara Dorada, to me, was more of a worker than anything else. Like a guy who could just, like, he could bust out a, a, a cool dive. He could come up with a good match. Um, just, you know, just a guy who was really good. But I never really viewed him as, like, somebody who was like, oh, he's going to be a huge star in, in WWE. When he went to WWE, it, like I said, it caught me off guard at first when he went to WWE. The fact that they were kind of like, when they picked him, I thought, okay, maybe, yeah, you know, because, you know, it didn't seem as weird because they were bringing in so many guys that normally you wouldn't think WWE was in, interested in at that time. And obviously, as we saw over the years, they really kind of just brought them in just to keep them from going some other places. But um, I just always thought he seemed like a better fit in CMLL. Um, even like if you look at if he would have gone to AAA, I think he probably would have been somebody who they probably would have brought in, uh, put him against probably Ihobi Kingo or Phoenix, um, given him at least one big singles match. Then they probably would have lost interest in him, and probably he would have just slowly sit, dipped into the you know the the Loret like even lower than Loretto kid, kind of like in the in the Octagon Junior, Mysticis Junior group, you know, guys who are kind of good, but they're kind of going to be stuck there. That's just, you know, good high flyers that are going to be in trios matches. Um, not really the top star. And to me, I think he has a better shot of being a top star in CMLL than he would in AAA. And his, you know, honestly, his his character just fits, his personality fits more CMLL. Unfortunately, he's going to a promotion right now that's really, really having a lot of issues. Um, obviously, the pandemic COVID-19 has really taken a hit on CMLL. We've seen, if you've been following CMLL the last, since, I, I mean, since late December, um, you're seeing how 
how often they constantly have to change their lineups、um, because people are missing due to COVID. I think at one point there were like at least eight or nine people that weren't going to be on shows during a week. And those shows, all like the lineups completely changed. And then they started bringing in more minis and more people that not really top stars, but just undercard. I think to me, when they like started bringing in like the sons, like Pentarito, the Ring Jr., you know, guys like that,、um, Valiente Jr., when he was supposedly going to、uh, debut in, in Puebla. That to me is like fresh and new. But when they started bringing in like the guys who you really don't think have a, a shot, it didn't really like, it, to me, it's like, you know, Raider again. I mean, he didn't really do anything the first time around. He was there one time, and it's like, if he was there one time, what's the point? They were just, it kind of felt like they were just trying to find bodies to fill、um, shows, especially right now, because it's not just the、um, guys missing because of COVID. You have a couple of guys like Raciel and Valiente who are out with injuries. And, It's really like the, the lineups have it's taken a toll. The fact that all those guys that left previously are no longer there. And I'm not talking about like the old guys, like Shocker,、uh, you know, that type of guy. I'm talking about、like、when NGD, Dragon Lee,、uh, Mystico,、uh, when those guys left, it kind of like it, now you see, oh, like you're like, okay, they, they, they really are in need of talent. Puma King, guys like that,、um, you see that they really do need talent. But at the same time, even if those guys were there, It would be like how many years, like 10 years that they would have been there.、Uh, so it's like it just felt a little repetitive. I just think they need to bring in some new blood. And Mascara Dorada has been gone since、um, 2000, late 2016. So、um, him coming back, it doesn't feel fresh just because there really hasn't been a huge, even though there's been a lot of talent that has left CMLL,、um, there's still a lot of people that have been there since. You know, the early 2000s. <laughs>、uh, so, like Mystico, Ultimo Girl, Volador Jr.,、uh, pretty much the, all the guys he was there. I mean, the only big difference is really Templario.、Um, I'm trying to think who the guys that are new on, at, on top that are different for him. It, hell, even Averno's back, and he was there when he was there. So, it's like, it's like, it's not this huge difference of talent on top.、Um, I think Echiseto was there. I think Echiseto was actually just.、Um, Echicero was actually like in the mid card when, when Mascara Dorado was there. So even that, like Cavernario was there. Everybody, like, I think other than, other than Templario, I, I mean, you have a couple of young guys that are, are kind of moving up, but it's really been Templario. Atlantis Jr. is the other one that wasn't there prior to、um, when Mascara Dorado was there. So there's maybe like a handful of new guys, but it's still very, like, it's still a, a similar group. And the, the mentality now. Is even worse than it was when, when Mascara Dorado was there. When Mascara, I think the biggest difference is that、uh, Paco Lonzo isn't around now. And that is where I think is going to be the big issue down the road. The fact that they're like Chavo Lutroth and his son are so much more stricter, more、um, traditional, and more follow the, the similar path that the, 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 the Lutroth family has done so with. with、um, With the promotion, where they don't, to them, it's all about how much they're making and it and what they're doing as far as, you know, they don't really like they, to them, all talent is is replaceable. So, like, to them, if, if Mascara Dorada or anybody leaves, they just replace them with somebody else. They'll, you know, like, like I said, like Dragon Lee leaves, they bring in Fugaz. Mystico leaves, they just hand the mask over to, to Caristico, rename him Mystico. And they probably would have given it to somebody else, you know, and just continued on. It's like there's, they don't really see a big difference in like a guy being super talented, like Dragon Lee being super talented.、Um, they'll let those guys go and 
you know, they'll easily replace them with another guy who's not even at their level. Uh, and it's not like CML doesn't have talent right now. It's just that they have a lot of talent, and the, but the, they have talent, but there's a lot of bad workers as well. There's a lot of guys who are really old, and then there's a lot of people who have been around for so long that it's like the fans don't really care about them. They don't see any, like, reason for them to still, like... It's not, like, other than the Cancerberos moving up because of the, the fans kind of rooting for them and Ray Cometa and Espiritu Negro... You don't really have that other group underneath that is really that type of guy. Like you don't have like, like remember like ten years ago, we would complain about somebody still working openers. I think right now, I think other than Suicida, I don't think anybody's really getting too worked up about the guys working openers. It's like eh, you know, Robin's still in the openers, eh, big deal. Uh, Inquisidor, eh, who cares? Um, Anybody like like Oro Jr. and eh, nobody he's never gonna move up. It's like there's a, too many guys. Like the whole group with Volador Jr. Um, I was gonna do this article on the the things I like to see in CMLL, and one of them was to see Volador Jr. teaming with the with his um his faction, um those depredadores. And you know honestly, you know they've if Titan's not in the group, I don't really see the point in that group even existing. Just because I don't think any of them are really gonna be guys who you're gonna that are gonna matter. You know, they're even like I remember when Triton left CMLL, and I thought, you know, honestly, and 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 people were like, were telling me like he's talented. I go, yeah, he's talented, but it's like, is he that talented? Is he like, is he, is he Titan? It's they're not losing Titan. They're not losing. It's not like they lost Dragon Lee. When you lose Triton, that that wasn't Dragon Lee level or or even Dragon Lee level. I mean, I don't really hear a lot about Dragon Lee now. Uh, remember when Dragon Lee was the talk of the town? I mean, right now it's really Ihal Vikingo. That's really the guy who's hot. Um, you don't hear about Dragon Lee at all. Like, it, there's no real like buzz about him. Like, you don't hear people say, "Oh, yeah, I want to watch a Dragon Lee match." Um, it's really Jose Vikingo's the one that getting that's getting a lot of attention. Um, but like when Triton left, I thought, you know, he's a good wrestler. But like honestly, like other than maybe being in a cool trio, I don't really see him make like becoming this. You know, oh, suddenly like he doesn't ha- he didn't have the motivation. Like to me, the guy, the guy that really. If you're going to look at somebody who I think more luchadors should model their careers after is somebody like Loretto Kid. Loretto Kid could have been a trios guy his entire career. Been happy uh, working in Mexico as a trios guy his entire career. You know, it could have been him and, you know, throw in whoever you want to throw in, Reiko Meta, um, Aerostar, Drago. Um, he could have been in a cool trio like that. Um, could have gone anywhere, just found two more high flyers been a perfectly fine good trio um, but what happens he starts he gets a he gets a visa to, to work in in the united states starts working indie shows starts making a name for himself <laughs> there were those stories he wasn't in triple a at the time he'd come in and out of triple a every so often but you know remember there were those stories about loretto kid um wwe having interest in, in loretto kid and that nothing ever happening from that but he slowly kept working people like were like eh, you know he's okay he's a good worker he, he was a good worker indies success then he returns to triple a and then like it kind of clicked it just clicked he Kind of just became a really, really talented wrestler. Um, got to work with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Um, got to work with some bigger, high-profile international names. And now look at him. He's like, a, he's, he's like, honestly, if you, he's got to be one of the top five or six guys that gets asked about as far as lucha. Do you hear any like if you put a list of the top five, six luchadors that are requested internationally? Which how many of them are, are CMLL guys? If you said one, I'd be shocked. 
odds are none of them just because there's there there really isn't like they're they're so interchangeable it's like the way they've created the promotion so you bring in Mascara Dorada and he kind of falls into that category and I worry about that because I think he's probably somebody who you know he could do a lot more but I think he's kind of more comfortable being in in CMLL um, the trouble there is the fact that with the like I said the Lutra family they're going to make it very difficult for him to work independent shows he's going to I think it's really going to depend on the U.S. indie promoters and promoters in Mexico um, realizing that there's a certain way you could book CMLL talent. And if you could figure it out without getting them offended or upset, then you're going to be on their good side. And I think that's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is you're going to have to figure out a way where, you know, like let's say Game Changer Wrestling wants to bring in Mascara Dorada again. You can't bring in anybody who works with uh, with AAA. So you can't bring in Psycho Clown. You can't bring in these guys. But now you're going to start developing this other problem. Some of those international guys are going to work AAA shows because AAA is more open to working with those guys. So now we just saw Gringo Loco has been announced for an upcoming show. You're going to hear more guys from, from the U.S. that are indie guys that are going to end up working AAA shows. As soon as those guys work those shows... It, it's going to lead to like CMLL kind of being like, hey, this guy worked AAA. Um, you can't work that show. And they don't really understand that the guy may have worked one AAA show, but he's not hes not a working AAA every single week or every single show. It's like it's just a one, one-time thing. You might do something down the road, but it's not like a regular thing there. And so it's just going to lead to more issues. And I think that's what I worry about with Mascara Dorada. He's either going to end up having that issue or he's going to end up being have, um, just happy to be somewhere and end up just being a guy who just, you know, goes through the motions in CMLL. We've seen that. We see it with Volador Jr. Volador Jr., it really comes down to his opponent. If his opponent brings a little bit more to the table, he's going to be a little bit more motivated, and the match is going to look a lot better. But as soon as he's in there with somebody who just is either green and can't work properly or can't really elevate the match to bring more out of Volador Jr., you're just going to get the same thing that you get from Volador Jr., which is, you know, the stuff we've been watching for 20 years. So I think that's what's, that could happen with Mascara Dorada. Hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe he's going to have, like, he's just going to be happy to be out of WWE. And, you know, hopefully, like, early on, that's going to be, like, his thing. Um, hopefully that's what we get. You know, I'm not sure. Um, but you, you never know. I mean, it's like, it, it, to me, like, I look at, like, someone like Titan, Titan is somebody that, like, it doesn't matter who he's in there with. He's always, like, putting in an effort. And I think I think that's why he's kind of, he's always had, like, a really good fan base among CMLL fans that they just see it. Like, the fact that, like, he, he could be in, like, the worst match ever, but he's not to be blamed in that because the the one bright spot in that is usually him his his him against whoever his opponent is or just him himself. Um, I'm hoping Mascara Dorada kind of follows that path a little more. Um, hopefully he didn't. You know, and then the other thing is that, that he was in WWE for so for so long. Um, I hope he didn't get into those bad habits of being a WWE guy. Because we've seen a lot of the WWE guys, when they leave, it's like they don't really have that. And I'm not talking about the guys at that. I'm talking about like the, the luchadors that have been there. They kind of come back and it's like, eh, they're not the same. So we get that about um, Mascara Dorada possibly returning to CMLL. Again, the paperwork. Um, who knows when that's going to happen? It's... Immigration paperwork takes, you know, takes a long time, especially right now with the with what's going on with the pandemic. Um, a lot of stuff like if you've had to do anything um, government related where you have to deal with the with a with a government agency, 
it's going to take a little longer just because um, we've had to, I've had to deal with, um, you know, funerals, uh, my dad's funeral. And then I also had to deal with my, my parents' um, house. And a lot of the times we would send paperwork. It would like stuff that would normally get sent within a month. Instead of taking a month, would take four to six months. So, you know, this type of paperwork is going to take a little longer. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully he started the process as soon as he started like planning to leave. If he didn't start back then, then it's probably going to take a little longer. Um, hopefully it's soon because um, I do think I want to see him back in CMLL. Just for the very least, it's like it's something different. Um, and, you know, I think there's a there's a, little, a level of happiness for a lot of us um, CMLL fans that um, at least, you know, as bad as the show is, um, who knows? Maybe Mascara Dorada can bring something. Um, I'm looking forward to, like, if they do Mascara Dorada versus Templario, I think that would be an excellent match. Um, hopefully that does happen. I think that's another guy. Templario is another guy who's very self-motivated, and it comes across in his matches. He's probably, I think Templario is probably the one that I think of all the guys in CML that, um, because I think Echisero probably would be the other one, but he just, he seems happy in CMLL. But I think Templario would be the one guy that if he left, I think he would get so many um, requests from... I mean, he could just make one appearance on an indie show, and I think right away he would start getting a lot of requests to, to be part of... Um, to be on more shows, because he's, he's he's really good. I mean, and that was the thing, like, when, when NGD left CMLL, I thought, you know, I don't think they're going to be a, a group of guys that are going to be in high demand um, internationally just because their work doesn't really suit what people view as Lucha Libre. Um, they're more of a, a trio, and I don't think any. I, I don't know how easy it is for a promotion to bring in three guys at once. I would think they would want either tag team or just a singles guy. And you know they're not. You know even though they were in CMLL and they were top guys in CMLL, they're still not that familiarity with them. So you know I think it's going to be hard for them. But like somebody like Echisero, Templario, um, Sobrano Jr., I think those those guys would probably do well um, if they really wanted i think at some point that's going to be an issue that they're those guys are probably going to be the ones that are going to ha- start having issues and other uh, unless the Roth family changes their their way of thinking they're going to constantly they're going to lose even more talent which i don't think they care about because they'll just you know like i said to them it's like they'll just bring in somebody new and that new person is just going to continue you know it's it's if you look at the history of, of cmll this is something that has happened from the very beginning um from the moment Salvador Lutero started the promotion forward. You always had this thing where, you know, if somebody was disgruntled or a group of wrestlers were disgruntled, they would leave. Um, sometimes they would get vetoed or, or banned from ever appearing again in, in, in C- on CMLL shows or EMLL shows. And, you know, the few that would come back, they would come back, but they wouldn't stay for too long. Um, it was always, they would try to commit to being more independent. And you saw that over the years, always, this would always come back. Money issues, they would, always this goes back to ray mendoza and his issues with them with the lutra family in the past um i think there's a little bit more forgiveness just because um from the wrestler side just because they feel that there's a connection to that family and the fact that that as bad as that promotion may have treated them it was mostly about money and it wasn't so much how they would talk to them um how they would like they would actually get paid basically like they might not get paid the most but they would actually at least at the very least, least get paid and other promoters they would always have these issues where you you know they might get paid more with another promotion or working somewhere else but then they would also have the issue like every once in a while like somebody wouldn't pay them and you know that kind of like that kind of works it's it's the unfortunate thing so like if i would have done this podcast maybe a week and a half ago 
I think the big story back then probably would have been Stuka Jr. versus Atlantis Jr. Um, I think that might be the the if you told me to like pick the if you came up with like a predictor of what the big main event will be for the next CMLL anniversary show, I think Stuka Jr. versus Atlantis Jr. would have to be high on the list. I don't think they should do a, a mask match this year. I think they should just do another Night of Champions again with fans voting. Um, I know they said they wanted to do that a separate month, but I think they really should hold off on doing a mask match until next year, until 2023 or even the earliest 2023 or the latest 2024 because I don't think I don't think it makes sense to do a mass match when you can't sell out the arena. The guy's not going to make money. And I think Stuka Jr., if they did Stuka Jr. versus Atlantis Jr., that would actually be a money program. Um, the problem is it's CMLL. The current booking programming department is really bad at just coming up with um, the storyline. This would have been, I think this would have been perfect because, I mean, you have the Mystical Averno uh, feud also going on. You have Soberno Jr. and Atlantis Jr. kind of, you know, they had a, a, a little bit of a, a issue early late last year so you have all these other things that you could have combined into it and you could have just kept building it up building it up and then you know probably by june you could have had something already planned and you could have done stuka jr versus atlanta jr and i think stuka jr the fact that he has a son that is following his footsteps into pro wrestling and is probably going to end up being in cmla at some point also i think he probably would have put his mask on the line and and even dropped it to Atlantis Jr. Because you ne- you do need to start building up Atlantis Jr. Um, I do think they're doing a, a better job with Atlantis Jr. I don't really know if it's them, more so Atlantis Jr. himself doing it. Because I think he can't follow the same path that his dad did. Um, very different time periods. I mean, back in the 80s, Atlantis could go on for 20 years as a top babyface. And it would have been perfectly fine. There would have been a strong fan base for him. And nowadays... The, the Rudo crowd, there's a far stronger um, heel fan base now in Mexico that, um, to me, it, it might actually make more sense to turn Atlantis Jr. heel at some point and have him have have a heel run because and, and do the same thing that you've done like like they've done in the past, like with the Paraguayo um, in the 70s, uh, Ray Mendoza um, prior to that. You know, that heel that later becomes a baby face and becomes a beloved baby face. Um, I could think you could do that with Atlantis Jr. Atlantis Jr. has been very good. I, I I must admit, like I think a lot of people are kind of hard on him. There's two wrestlers that get a lot of grief, and there's a lot. I mean, but these two get the most. Um, Atlantis Jr. and Psycho Clown. I've noticed people just constantly ripping on them. Um, when I did my top ten of 2021 and had Psycho Clown in it, um, there were people who were like, "Yeah, how is he a top ten guy?" And it's like to me. That just tells me you're just into um, Lucha Libre. You're only watching it for the high spots. You're not watching it for the body of everything. You're not look, you know, body of work. You're not looking at the at the characters. You're not looking at the at what they're doing. Not just what they're doing in the ring, but the fact that they're how they're pushed. Um, Storylines. Psycho Clown was in the freaking top storyline in AAA for the first half of 2021, for much of 2021, really, and even like the other storyline in AAA. Um, that followed. He was pretty much a big part of that as well. Um, he's probably the busiest working luchador in Mexico as far as getting bookings, not just in Mexico, but now in the U.S. Um, the guy is very much in demand, um, very popular. And, you know, he may not be Negro Navarro or Virus in the ring as far as a technical wrestler. He might not be the best high flyer in the in the business, but the dude is a great brawler. 
Um, I would put him up there with, I, I even said it, he's up there with LA Park and Roosh as far as brawling. He might even be better than Roosh too. Um, but I think he's he's one of the best um, all-around wrestlers in Mexico. And I, I think I think the fact that he had that great match with Gringo Loco kind of showed, opened the eyes. I, it just cracked me up when people were like, oh man, I didn't realize Psycho Clown was as good. It's like, yes, he's that good. It's like, it just, you don't really pay attention to AAA. And then there's fans who shit on AAA nonstop. And Psycho Clown catches a lot of that heat because he is the AAA. Um, he is the face of AAA and people just like to shit on him. And you know, the funny thing is like when they pass, when a wrestler passes away, that's when they all think, oh, he was amazing. He was great. Like La Parca, the, 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 the AAA La Parca. Uh, suddenly everybody remembers like you could tell people he was a, a, a draw and he was a, a popular and they would be like and you and that was enough for to make him a top wrestler in, in mexico and people would still be like yeah you're you're wrong or you're not and it's like no it's like you have to look at it beyond just oh can he do a leg can he can he um can he get you in a leg lock can he can he um do a tope no it has to be the entire character the guy has a psycho clown is a really great character you know he's a superstar and you know to me it's like atlantis jr is kind of falling into that category he's somebody who is following he's in the shadow of his father who was a huge star for for decades but he's kind of also um if you watch him talk he's a far better interview than his dad was ever uh his, his dad was never that good of an interview atlantis jr is a really good interview i remember when he first started remember he couldn't put the, anybody in the in the in the atlantida He's able to do it now. Um, he's gotten stronger. I, I remember when they put him in that heavyweight um, category for the for the fan boat for the anniversary, and I thought, man, that's ridiculous. He's not a heavyweight. I thought, you know, at best he's like a middleweight. But sure enough, um, he worked out. He he does look a little bit bigger. I do still think he's more of a light heavyweight, um, kind of in the Echicero role, where Echicero's a heavyweight now, just because by default there's no there's not a lot of heavyweights in CMLL, um, and if you really want to just stick to heavyweights, it's just gonna be a lot of um, you know plotting big guys. You would have had to have dealt with DMT Azul or Cranio or Volcano. Um, it's not it's not a most of the other heavyweights aren't really heavyweights. Terrible is the the one that I would say is really good, but if you want to make it more of a open type of um, heavyweight division then you're going to have to open it up to everybody else um, and you know they've done so with Ultimo Guerrero and now Echicero and obviously now with Atlantis Jr. and even Carvernario has kind of been been used as a heavyweight um, but he's he's kind of I think he's somebody that can be the face of CMLL for years to come um, granted they're going to have to do like a lot pretty much he could be like a mystico type um, but he's going to have to like, they're going to have to let him like develop. And I do think they need to turn, I do think they should turn him heel just because I think it would be a, a, an interesting storyline to have him, um, aligning with his dad's biggest rival, um, Ultimo Guerrero and, you know, Gran Guerrero as, as a trio. Templario is kind of already kind of like on the outs with that group. So you have that also as a, as part of the storyline. Um, I think that's something that I think would be fun to watch. Yeah, so so I think that's actually the I think that to me that's the early front runner for mask match at the anniversary show, Atlantis Junior versus Duca Junior. Um, should they do it this year? I don't think they should. I think they should wait another year. Um, but that should be something that sh that should be in the back burner as far as like, hey, we're gonna do this at some point. Um, let's just keep it there just in case. Um, and you know, I think I think it would be a good match because Stuka Jr. Um, he's one of those guys that's kind of also been around CML for a really long time. Um, has been a little bit repetitive, but um, he's actually still pretty good. I think he's he's a good worker. 
Um, and I think him versus Atlantis Jr. would be a really good um, main event. Uh, I think it would be kind of in that Nebla, Nebla Roja Gran Guerrero type where people might not think it's going to be that great, but it turns out like um, catching us by surprise and being you know a pretty decent match. The other big news that happened was on Tuesday, um, AAA announced that the first round matchups for the, the Ruleta de la Muerte with Mask on the Line that is set for the three Triple Mania events. Um, the first round will be happening on April 30th in Monterey. And those matchups will be Psycho Clown versus Kanek, LA Park versus Viano 4, Pentagon Jr. versus Ultimo Dragon, and Rayo de Jalisco Jr. versus Blue Demon Jr. Uh, you know, I thought it was kind of cool the matchups they came up with. Um, Rayo de Jalisco Jr. versus Blue Demon Jr. kind of bringing back the the history between their fathers. Um, Rayo de Jalisco Jr. Uh, Rayo de Jalisco Jr.'s father, Rayo de Jalisco, um, dropped his mask to Blue Demon. Um, I think back in '89. So there's that storyline going on from that. Obviously, he dropped it when he was really, really old. By that point, um, both men were very old by that point. But they kind of wanted just to do that, and um, that was that's something that they're kind of. It's a good callback to that feud, bringing it now to the present. Um, the Psycho Clown versus Kanek. You know, I thought it was funny because there's such a big age disparity between these two. But really, if you look at it, it's really like Psycho Clown representing AAA versus um, Kanek, who's representing the past um, big promotion, El Toreo, um, Promociones Mora, UWA, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's kind of that. Um, Kanek can barely walk nowadays. Um, but, you know, that's what they wanted. And there's still a lot of fans who are very curious about that. Uh, that's one thing you'll see, like, the one thing you will see with Lucha is that if a guy doesn't drop his mask, um, if you don't drop your mask, you don't age as quickly to fans as you would if you drop your mask. And I think that's what always hurt Blue Panther. The fact that when he dropped his mask, it kind of just aged him quickly in front of the eye, in the in the fans' eyes that he could never really be a, a single star on it afterwards. Although he kind of kept himself relevant just because he was a really good worker and, and he started doing the old man Tope Suisse he does and people thought that was cool. And then his sons his sons followed his footsteps into CMLL and he's kind of been able to maintain his um his his career at a at a high level. Um at a reasonably high level. I would say upper mid card, um semi main event, occasional main eventer. Um, but it's like he's not the same as he and actually he even he still did have that one brief run feuding with um, Felino and Negro Casas, and that was kind of a, a main event type of feud. So he still had a couple of um, feuds late in his career. Maybe not the not as many as he could he wished he had, but you know it still it still was around. So Kanek, guys like Kanek, uh, Ryo, Blue Demon Junior, the fact that they haven't dropped their mask, it still keeps them a little bit younger. Um, I think everybody knows, you know, the fact that you know Kanek's been wrestling since like the since the since the mid seventies, it, it you already know the guy's got to be past you know pushing past sixty, so you already know he's really old. Um, the other two matchups with LA Park versus Viano Four, I kind of made a comment that this is like the meeting of former WCW luchadors, um, but they've had matches in Mexico as well. Um, that, I mean, LA Park's gonna have to carry that. I don't think I don't. Last time Viano Four was around, I mean he wasn't really the the moving as well as he used to um then there's um the pentagon junior ultimo dragon matchup which is more of i think that's more of a a nostalgia and and that got a lot of interest outside of mexico just because you know ultimo dragon is like the 
he was basically what Pentagon Jr. is now um, in this era where he was the cool person coming out of Lucha. Ultimo Dragon in the in the mid-90s was the cool guy coming out of, you know, Lucha and, and Japanese wrestling. You know, he had all those belts. He had the cool look. He had the cool mask. Um, he showed up in WCW holding all those belts. You know, he just... He just, it just, he just looked cool. He had the cool finisher, the cool moves. He moved really well. To me, that's kind of like that, like that. And I could see, I could see Pentagon Junior even being willing to lose the match. I could, I imagine him being a big fan of Ultimo Dragon, so I could see him dropping him the fall for him. These whoever loses, I don't think it's gonna affect them. But you know, like to me, Kanek and Ryo the Jalisco Junior, they're not gonna want to lose. Um, they never, they're very hard, connect especially, he doesn't, he very rarely loses. So I have a feeling those two are going to win for sure. And then I think it's a toss-up in the other two matches. I could see LA Park, I think LA Park's going to win. And I think I could see Pentagon Jr. Ultimo Dragon going either way, just because I could see them wanting at least, um, you know, you're going to, if you have Psycho Clown and then it's, um, Blue Demon Jr. can go, um, can still kind of go. Um, but if you're going to have like Ryo or somebody that's not that mobile, you need at least one guy in there that's going to be able to move around and get the keep the match interesting. So to me, that's why you kind of have to like, I think almost you almost have like to me, the, the ideal situation would be that everybody that was really like three of the really good guys ends up lo- end up losing and advancing to the next round just because you want to keep good matches going. Um but you know it's a tournament. It really I don't think it's going to matter because I'm sure the the main event is what everyone's going to want to watch and there's going to be other matches on the card that people are going to find far more interesting than this. To me this is more about getting the mask off of somebody who was a huge star at some point in their careers and all eight of these guys in this in this um in this tournament. Even if you think Viano 4 is a low in the totem pole, um he's still a, a name, a big name, somebody who was in WCW, who was a, a star in in Toreo. Triple A, um, CMLL, um, he was all over the place. Independence, so he's somebody who's been around for a long time. So even if he drops his mask, that's still a pretty significant uh, mask loss. Um, but I think I think I, and everybody, the odds are that he's going to be end up being the one that drops it. I think there's some people that think maybe Ultimo Dragon might drop it. Um, he did wrestle as Asai, so maybe he decides, you know, maybe I want to get a big payoff, um, and Mexico would probably pay me off for this. So. It might make sense. I could see him also being like if you gave me like to list eight, like list them in order from most likely to drop mass to least likely. I think first I would put in most likely Viano Four. Um, second would be um, Ultimo Dragon. Third, I would probably put. Um, I think after those two, I don't think the odds of everybody else would be very slim. Third, I think I could see Blue Demon. I don't actually not Blue Demon Junior. Um, actually, I don't even know. Third, I would probably think Ryo the Jalisco Jr. would probably be the third for me, like because just because I think he's reaching that point in his career where he's he's getting older. Um, I don't think he's gonna get booked that that often. It's either Ryo or Kanek. To me, it's Ryo third, fourth Kanek, just because he's really old. Maybe he decides, you know, he it's time to you know get a big payoff for his retirement. Uh, fifth, I would probably say. Um, I don't think any of the other guys, honestly. I think one, two. Like, you just go one, two. Viano four, um, Ultimo Dragon are the two guys I think are the most likely. Everybody else is kind of like, like I have. I don't buy any of those guys dropping their mask. I would be shocked if it's any other person besides those two. I would be shocked. Um, the other news from that press conference, where they announced the 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 four, first round matches, 
for Triple Mania's uh, mask tournament. AAA also announced a monthly series of shows to be held at the Show Center Complex in Monterey that will lead, that will feature a Show Center Championship tournament for both men and women. Um, the first two that were announced for that were LA Park and Loretto Kid. Um, LA Park I brought his sons with him and like kind of seemed to imply that his sons were also part of the tournament. Um, I don't think that's the case because they were talking about how that tournament was going to feature international stars. So um, I think they would want at least another AAA person, at least two more AAA people in this tournament, maybe like two or another person that's not semi-regularly in AAA, and then that's a luchador, and then maybe like two or three that are international names. Um, That's how I see it. Um, It's, it's, we'll find out a little bit more about that. It's, it's an interesting idea. Um, You know, it's, you know, it's another tournament. You know, we get so many tournaments in in Lucha that it's kind of like, it's kind of like, okay, another tournament. Um, finally, I want to talk about the, the 2021 Tapatia Awards results just because um, this kind of tells you what I was talking about earlier, how there's not, like, if you look at who is going to get, um, who the most popular luchadors are as far as not just in Mexico, but internationally. And I pointed out how, you know, you don't really see a lot of CMLL guys getting a lot of um, interest you don't really see like you do have some fans that are like oh I wouldn't mind seeing this guy so and so in this promotion, but it's like, you know, I would say the top five guys that have the most interest are probably um, guys who have already like, you know, appeared in the U.S. or like Hijo de Vikingo who hasn't appeared and people are just waiting for him to make his way into the United States. Those are kind of, to me the guys that most people want to see. Um, but to me, this kind of shows you like this year's um, voting kind of shows you how much. How much more popular and how far um, um, Ijo Kingo has become. You know, he's not, I don't think he's like, I think it was kind of funny because I think somebody wrote an article, I think it might have been for Mas Lucha or Super Luchas, where they were talking about how um, Ijo de Kingo was this era's um, mystico. I don't think he, I don't think I would compare him to that. I would compare him more to Rey Mysterio Jr. Um, because mystico was a huge draw when he was, when his peak during that boom period. Whereas, Rey Mysterio Jr. became a far bigger star internationally than he was in Mexico. What he was in Mexico was he was a really innovative wrestler, um, something that was very different. And he brought that to the United States and continued to do that as well in while he was in WCW. And even in, in WWE, he just was a very talented wrestler. I kind of view Ijo Vikingo in that mold more than a guy who like is going to lead the next boom in Lucha Libre. I think he's somebody that... I think his future is far greater as an international star, and I think it's going to happen at some point. But I think you look at these awards, and you could tell that that's it's it's really something that we're waiting for to explode. Um, wrestler of the year for twenty twenty one, the top five. The winner was Hijo de Vikingo. Um, second place was Ares. Third place was Loretto Kid, and then that he that was followed by Echicero and Bandito. Um, I think Bandito. The thing that happens with like with Bandito, I think there's a lot of people that kind of soured on him the way he um, handled his um, promotion, and they kind of took that into what he is as far as a as a wrestler. Not to mention the fact that he caught COVID a few times, and there's a lot of people that are very um, they have these very strong opinions about how people handle um, dealing with COVID. Um, even if you're uh, vaccinated and all this stuff, you could still get COVID. But there's a lot of people that like think that because you're getting COVID, you're being you're not being safe, and I think there's a lot of people that like 
Like if like if somebody said, "Oh, I have COVID," like, "Oh, great, you're just not taking care of yourself." But sometimes it just happens. Like you, you're if you're going to work, you're going to school, you're around people. Odds are you're gonna have there's a there's a pretty good chance you're gonna get COVID, um, unless you're like totally a, a hermit. It's it, it's it's going to be impossible for you not to have to experience or feel or feel concerned about it, you know, where you're actually having to get a home test to make sure you're not you're not you're not dealing with that. Um, so to me, it's like, you know, yeah, he went through it, but it's like everybody's going through it. I think the thing was that he made it public. Um, there's been other luchadors that have battled COVID, never made it public. And, um, you know, and some, and, and I think that's probably what hurt him more. Also, the thing about booking Travis Banks didn't help, do him any favors either. Um, though I didn't know about it. Um, fortunately, he didn't book him again. But, you know, I think this is the problem. Like a lot of people don't realize. Appar- the thing, the thing about it is that you're, you're going to have, you're going to have to realize that in Mexico, they don't really care about like a lot of that stuff. Like there's guys who, domestic abuse um heavy drinkers uh other sorts of issues and they're still like getting work in in mexico so it's like you can't really you can't really like um it's very difficult to judge um you know it's wrong but it continues i mean look emll cmll triple a um they hired love machine arbora and he had he was accused, you know, he had he had a very serious issue back in Portland that pretty much cost him his job in WCW. And, you know, he became a superstar in Mexico. So it's like, you know, it's it, it's very difficult to figure out what what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. You know, and I do think he probably regrets doing that. But, the, the you know, bringing in Travis Banks. But look at it now. Now, now he's in IWRG. And I am almost 100% positive that that guy will end up either in AAA or CMLL. Before the year end of the year, I, I'm pretty sure he will be on on one of those shows, just because that's the way that's the way these that's the way the promotions work. They don't really think about that stuff. They think you know the guy, you know the the guy paid it, you know he paid his dues or he served his time, his punishment. You know he can't work elsewhere. Um, you know let's bring him in, a talented and you know he's apparently he's a good wrestler and everything. So it's like you know that's going to happen at some point, but um, yeah. Hijo de Vikingo by far and away is like the biggest, the the, you know the biggest star in Mexico and the one that I think is going to have the most potential to do other things. Um, then we get to the best match and again Hijo de Vikingo versus I, I, versus Ares from Riot. It's March twenty first show. Um, second place Phoenix and Pentagon Junior versus Hijo de Vikingo and Loreto Kid from AAA's October 9th show Heroes and Mortales, and then um, Bandito versus Volador Junior from March twenty sixth. The CMLL show, and again, what did I say about Volador Jr.? It takes the other guy to like at least make it, make him want to feel like it's important. And Bandito was able to get that out of Volador Jr. That was a great match. If you didn't watch it, highly recommend finding a way to get to watch that match. Um, same thing with the Vikingo versus Ares and the tag match. Those three matches were on my list. I think I had um, different. I think I had Bandito versus Volador Jr. as my match of the year. And then the other two followed. I think it might have been that, or it might have been. I may have voted for Yohovi King Gonares because I I was really into that match. Um, that match was really good, even though I watched it with the with the technical issues. It was still an excellent match. Um, best promotion, AAA by a wide margin. Um, then there was um, Riot, and then CMLL. Um, honestly, the none of them probably deserved it. 
best promotion just because they all were having issues. AAA with the whole lawsuit and the fact that you, it, it really, to watch AAA, and this is what amazes me, to watch AAA depended on Cubs fan being able to um, put it up on, Twi- on Twitch, basically. It's like, it's like, it's ridiculous. Like, what if, you know, what if one day Cubs fan was like, yeah, fuck it, I, I don't have time to do this. And he has something else to do. Then you don't get that match, that show, and it probably had a match of the year candidate and nobody knows. But like, it, as far as in the United States, and you know, yeah, those in Mexico could watch it, but it's like, you don't really get a lot of, um, a lot of Mexican people, Lucha fans don't really talk about like, oh, this was in the match of the year, you should watch it. Very few people do that. Um, best unit, Lucha Brothers, followed by Poder del Norte and Jinetes del Aire. Again, this kind of is showing you how little impact there was from CMLL because you had all the, like, even like the, the factions that followed these were all um, AAA or indie factions. I think the closest one might have been the Cancerberos, and I think they might have been sixth or seventh. Um, best feud, there were not a lot of feuds in 2021. I, I don't remember there being a really memorable feud. I mean, they had rivalries that were very short-lived, but nothing really that was, you know, other than maybe guys being upset at each other and take calling at, calling each other out on 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 social media but it wasn't like it wasn't like an actual feud within you know you know the like if you if you told me to pick the feud of the year it's probably Soberano Jr. Ultimo Girl and the, and then and then tra- and Soberano Jr. trashing Ultimo Girl but that wasn't a feud that was just some just him voicing his opinion um, but best feud was Ray Scorpion versus Psycho Clown I think that really was the best feud there and if you put none <laughs> same I mean you, I could have agreed with you uh, most improved to me, I, I always find most improved very difficult just because um, it has to be somebody that has really greatly improved. Um, there's times where somebody's good and they just improve that much more. Um, this year's winner was Commander and followed by Atlantis Jr. and Latigo. I think I voted for Atlantis Jr. Um, because he did improve. I, that's the thing. It's like it's like I do see some progression and like at the same time, there was a period of time where he kind of just seemed a little bit lost. When he first showed up, he looked pretty good in the ring, but he wasn't really doing that much. And then he also kind of like started struggling to do the Atlantida and doing certain spots. And then like the second year, he kind of just, eh, you know, he was all right. And I think he might have not been, a, I think he might have missed a couple of, well, obviously the pandemic, he, everyone missed time. And then um, 2021, he kind of got a little bit more, um, he looked a little bit, he looked way better in the ring. Uh, and like I said, he's a really good interview. Um, I think he's. I think he's somebody that, like I said, he definitely is somebody who's going to be a a star. I just, I'm just kind of curious how big a star he's going to be and whether or not it's going to be full time in CMLL. Just because the way CMLL is handling handling talent, it's not, it's not very good. Favorite wrestler again, um, Hijo de Vikingo, followed by Echicero Mystico. That sounds about right. When you talk about lucha, diehard lucha fans, um, those three seem to fit the criteria. Mystico being the the star of the the boom period, Echicero is kind of like the work rate guy, the one that all of us who are fans of technical wrestling would would pick him. And Hijo Vikingo, of course, being the flashy, um, hot young high flyer, he kind of fits that. Um, I think all three of them kind of fit a, a specific criteria as far as fandom. Um, but you know, overall, I thought that was a that was an interesting voting. Um, and like again, I said Hijo Vikingo, um, he's 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 somebody that I think is going to be a, a special um, star. Um, hopefully he does get his um, his everything worked out where he can actually travel to the United States. Um, I could see him being somebody who ends up getting a deal with um. I could see like I don't know maybe AEW. 
just because I think as good as he has been and AAA has finally realized that they have to get behind him, I think there's always that risk with AAA that at some point they lose interest in somebody and they start kind of lowering them and they start elevating somebody else and that kind of changes. Um, and, you know, you also have to like go for find new horizons and he's the type of guy that really needs that type of thing because he's, he's, like I said, he's, he's, he's innovative. I mean, when guys are innovative, it's hard for them. I think it's hard for them to stay in one place for a long stretch of time just because it's going to be, they got they want to try new things. Well, that's it for this week. Be sure to check out the latest news updates at LuchaWorld.com. If you're into old school wrestling, check out my other site, RetroWrestling.com. And, in, and you can also check out the Retro Wrestling YouTube channel for shows, review for show reviews, podcasts, interviews, etc. You can also become a patron by joining the Lucha World Patreon at patreon.com slash luchaworld. I add Lucha Magazine write-ups, the Lucha Classica podcast, and at the $5 tier, you get DVD ISO files of wrestling shows in my collection. All that and more. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back again soon.